Hey, what's up, MindFire Nation? Welcome to episode number one of our brand new MindFire podcast. We're really excited today to bring you this new podcast as it's something we've been thinking about for some time. We've really been pondering how to bring you this type of material. And in this first episode, you're going to hear what this podcast is all about, what we're trying to do, and what you can expect from the show going forward. And then we're going to jump right in with our first guest. Kim Gross from Paysetter Enterprise, a really interesting and fascinating case study. But first things first, let me introduce our amazing co-host, Mackenzie. Mackenzie, how the heck are you today? So good. Thank you, Dave. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for being here. We're excited to start this new podcast series. So Mackenzie, tell me and tell our listeners here, why are we doing this and what can people expect from us going forward? Yes, perfect. Thanks, Dave. So we are for MindFire. We are a technology company, and we have a marketing automation platform. We work largely in the service provider space, so printers, marketing service providers, direct marketing companies, agencies. So our real goal, our mission, is to help service providers transform their companies. And as we've interacted with them, we've been around for a really long time, we've noticed that there's just a yearn and a hunger for people to find out information and get information that's valuable to them that they can go and take and start applying to their business immediately. So we came up with this idea where we would have a podcast series so that it's short, sweet, concise. Um, our vision is that you can take this podcast on the go. So maybe when you're on your run or walk or in your car, and we're going to be bringing to you guests, so thought leaders, inspirers who are going to share their stories, um, give insight into how they do stuff, what they've um, experienced along the way, what brings them success. And then whether you're a salesperson, a marketing person, a developer, whoever you are, we will bring guests to you that are going to give different angles. So we're hoping that you can take valuable information away from this and just some content that's not crap because, you know, nowadays it seems like content is everywhere. It's being thrown at us from every angle. Um, but the problem is, is that because there's so much out there, it seems like it's almost like spam. So we want to cut the crap get to the people who can get you information quickly, package it in a concise form, and then hopefully allow you to start transforming your businesses immediately. Is that good, Dave? You yeah. think that's a good overview yeah, that's of what we're going to do? Brilliant. Beautiful. Well said, Mackenzie. And that's exactly right. We want to bring you information that you can use, information that's helpful to you, information that helps you grow. And in that spirit, really, uh, today's guest, Kim Gross, is just a, a great example of that. She's the Director of Sales and Marketing at Paysetter Enterprises. And you're going to hear how she and her team service higher ed customers, manufacturing, and healthcare. Those are the three verticals that she works in. And with a relatively small team, Mackenzie, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think they only have 12 full-time employees there. Is that right? Yep. Yeah, that's right. So with a small team, they're able to do some really incredible things. And she's going to pull back the layers on how they sold their first few accounts. That's something that we hear from many of you. How do I sell this? How do I engage my customers? So she's going to share how they did that. She's also going to tell you why some of her early campaigns, why some of their early projects failed. The one thing that caused some of those campaigns to fail early on so that you can learn from that. And she's also going to share how she did customer development, meaning how she interviewed potential customers and used the information that she learned from them to begin to develop her demand generation and marketing material. So she'll share with you how they use email, direct mail, webinars, blog posts, a whole variety of things to generate demand. And cold calling, by the way, Mackenzie, if you remember, she mentions that as well. And how they use, yeah, how they use all of that to 
bring new customers in the door. So without further ado, let's jump right into today's interview. Yeah, you guys enjoy. She is such a rock star. Here she is, Kim. All right, Kim. Well, thanks for joining us today. We're really glad you were able to make it. And could you just tell us a little bit about you, Kim, and who you are when you're not working? What's Kim like? What are you about? Well, I am a wife, and I have we have two children. My daughter is three, and my son will be one in a few weeks, which is crazy. So I am, you know, busy with two with a toddler and an almost toddler. Um, I am really into health and fitness. I work out almost every day. I do some some coaching on the side, which is which is a lot of fun. Um, like to travel, really active. Like to be active in my kids' lives. So you know, just just kind of doing the daily thing of juggling two small kids and a business, and you know, leisurely stuff on the side. So it's a lot of fun. Um, my my life is really really chaotic and really hectic, which I which I love. Uh, no two days are the same, which is which is a lot of fun. But um, but yeah, so it's it's been it's been really cool. Yeah, my gosh, awesome. I mean so having two. Two little kids like that. I have a I have a three year old and a and a I guess a one and a half year old. So we're pretty much step in step there. Yeah. That is that is crazy making right there. It is totally crazy. Just like I come from a big family, so I I knew I wanted, you know, like three kids, and um, I <laughs> didn't really didn't really know what I was getting into. I guess I thought it was gonna be so easy. My my girlfriend and I would joke around, we're like, how hard is it to have kids? And now I'm like, oh my gosh, we were delusional. But it's the best. It's it's the toughest job I've had, but it's also one of the most rewarding. So. So, so an important question: Are you still looking at number three, or are you thinking maybe this is? This is yeah, it? yeah. I think I think eventually we'll go for number three, but right now we just built a house too, so we we just got through that whole process. So now I just kind of want to take a deep breath and just enjoy how things are right now. Awesome. So basically, you get to be Superwoman every single day. That's for right. That's right. As, that's, as well that's as your I like family. to tell my husband. That's why I tell my husband I'm Superwoman. <laughs> you are. I believe it. And as you um, started your career, or even throughout your life, what's the best piece of advice you've ever received? Is there something that someone said that really was a shifting point for you and allowed you to further your thinking or career? Or? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think one of the best pieces of advice I received was that you can't be everything to everyone. And I am a perpetual people pleaser. I like to, you know, somebody asks me to do something, yes, I can do it. Yes, I can get it done. And, you know, it, it, it early on in my career, I was just so excited about the different opportunities that I would just say yes to anything because I was like, well, we could totally do that. And it, the lack of focus really kind of affected our ability to really make progress quickly. And, you know, my sales coach at the time was like, you cannot be everything to everybody. You have to just focus in on what it is that you're really good at. You can do those other things, but it might not be where your your total strength lies. And so um, kind of realizing that and just starting to get a focus on what I wanted to do, you know, vertical market applications, just really diving into that. And knowing that, you know what, it's okay to pass up on some opportunities because it's not going to help me get to where I want to be. And I, I think, you know, it was a hard lesson to learn, and I think it's really tough to do, but it really helped us to focus. It helped me to focus, and it ultimately helped us to deliver some really successful campaigns that have kind of put us into positions with other customers and other prospects that we would have otherwise may not have had that opportunity. 
Gosh, I love yeah, I that. Think, that is so good. Yeah, and I think, Kim, that's kind of a double-edged sword, right? Because I think in your situation, bringing solutions to your customers, our job is kind of to say yes and to figure out how to get to yes where other people have said no or where they don't see that possibility. So mm -hmm. I think having that in you is has is probably, I'm just guessing here, but it's probably something that's helped you become successful in your career. But at the same time, you know, maybe it can lead to over-promising and under-delivering, especially if the team that's around you or that's supporting you maybe isn't necessarily in the same spot that you're in. Would you agree or disagree with, with what I I'm would saying? completely. I would completely agree. We, so early on, we were taking on projects just to take on projects, and they weren't they weren't working. And you know, it 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 was we were like, why isn't this working? Why isn't this successful? What is happening? You know, we're we're using the right channels, and it it came down to the fact that we were just all over the place. Um, you know, it was more than just utilizing the channels that we had, the software and the technology we had. We had we had to be able to provide strategy and direction to the clients, and we were in way too many vertical markets. And so we were kind of in that space where, okay, are we going to take on work just to take on work and have a reputation that we don't want? Or are we going to take a step back and say, okay, what are we really good at? And what can we deliver well? And let's focus on that. And let's take the hit for a few months where we, you know, are turning down some projects that don't really fit that that picture of what we want to do. So that long term, we're building that reputation of, hey, they can do this. They're really good at that. So that's a good segue then, Kim. So tell us a little bit about your role at Paysetters and what you do there, and also about Paysetters in general. What kinds of customers are you serving, and what kind of verticals are you finding success in? Absolutely. So I was hired uh, in 2007. A funny story about that. I it's my my dad's company. So him and my grandfather started the company. We turned 30 next year, which is so cool. And I in college was, you know, I said, oh, I'm not working there. And I tell this story all the time because it's really funny. I was like, I'm not, I don't want to work work for, for Paysetter, and I definitely don't want to do sales. Like, that's just, those are, I wouldn't be good at it, and I don't want to do it. And <laughs> so, you know, I was in college, and I loved higher ed. And I started applying for, for jobs, and I was getting offers. And it the salary wasn't quite what I was looking for, and the job themselves was, you know, not something that would challenge me on a daily basis. And so my dad said, Why don't you why don't you come on board and you know, we're we're going into this new direction of, of cross channel marketing and, you know, see if there's a fit there. And I said, Okay, you know, I will but I'm gonna give it a year because I wanna keep looking and he said, That's fine, but give me twelve months. And so I came on board and, you know, my role initially, I, I don't even know what my role was initially. I think I was a customer service rep and trying to learn this new cross-channel thing. And I went to an event in Philadelphia and heard Kate Dunn speak. And I heard her talk about, at that time, she was talking about pearls. And I, I was not from the industry. So she said, does everyone know what a pearl is? And everyone was nodding their heads. And I'm thinking, I have no idea what this woman is talking about. And so I had to wow. quick look it up on my phone. And I was like, okay, you know, I could definitely do this. And so I came back and I said to my dad, I want to I wanna sell this. I could do it. And he's like, you think? I said, yeah, I can definitely do this. And that was in the spring. And I started selling and marketing this. I, I didn't really know what I was doing, and that was fine. And I started to sell some contracts. And it was, it was just, you know, it was kind of weird how it all worked out. But 
So that's kind of where I started from. I, I now lead our sales and marketing division. So I do a lot of the solution selling for fundraising, higher education. I also do some stuff on the manufacturing side, asset management, um, event registration. So I'm kind of in two different verticals. As a company, Paysetter has really, we have an interesting story. My grandfather started the company uh, 30 years ago, and he was initially, he was one of the, you know, back in, at that time, one of the best trainers in the area, sales trainers, and that's what they started as. And they then became an extension of one of the largest truck manufacturers in the area, Mack Trucks. They started to do a lot of their fulfillment, and they started to see a need for digital print. And so where we're a little different than most service providers is we didn't come from the offset world. We came from the fulfillment world. And we started to see, or I should say my, my, my grandfather and my dad started to see that there was a need for digital print, that this offset world was starting to slowly come to an end and we needed to be able to provide these other resources. So we brought on digital print equipment and started doing, yeah, it, it's, it's a very interesting twist. Um, it's, it's different from, I think, a lot of other companies out there. And so we got into the digital print world, and then we started to see the need for some other services, and that's kind of how we made the transition. So a little bit of a roundabout way, a different journey, but still brought us here. And it got you to and where Kim, you are right now, so that's really that's great. great. That's right. Yeah. Kim, what did you study in, in college? I studied marketing. I had a minor in management, and my major was in was in marketing. So I um, – and again, I you know, it's so funny. I – I feel like uh, sales gets a really bad reputation, and I talk about this a lot with, with some of my colleagues, but, you know, in college, none of us wanted to be in sales. I love it now. Um, but my background is in marketing, which I think has helped the evolution of Paysetter because I'm not coming at programs with a print expectation. So, you know, if we, if we need to include print, great. If we don't, fine. At the end of the day, we're trying to solve the customer's problem. And so I think I had to have a different perspective on how to approach the customer's problem, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one thing that I'm, I'm curious about and that our listeners probably are as well is that given that you're dealing in these different channels, you're dealing with print, you're dealing with, with email, you're dealing with web, from a technical perspective, like, what kinds of skills did you have there when you first got started, and, and what have you found is important to know in the role that you're in from a quote-unquote technical perspective? Do you have any, any insights there that you think are, are helpful for people listening to this? Yeah, you know, when, when, I, when I sold our first quote-unquote cross-channel account, we, outside of the digital print equipment, and like constant contact, I think at the time we were using, we had no, we had nothing. So I I was I, I remember calling my sales coach and I said, "This is great. I just sold my first account and I literally do not have the tools to execute it." So we partnered with a company who had Mindfire. We partnered with a company who I think it was Fusion Pro that we used at the time, and we partnered with some other companies just to get our feet wet and to figure out what this was all about and what we needed to know. Um, we had a programmer on staff, so we've always had on-staff programmers, but we'd never done it before, so we didn't really have the tools we needed. And 
as we kind of went through that first campaign and started to see the pieces that we needed, we brought on, so we, we bought the software on. So we purchased MindFire, we purchased PageBlex, and we purchased some of the other programs that we needed. And we had a staff internally who could execute the program, but we also partner per diem with different programmers and social media specialists and other marketing specialists. And we've one of the things that I think we've done a really good job of is we have made some strategic partnerships with a lot of other companies. So we know what we're really good at, and we've partnered with companies that have a skill set that maybe we don't have in-house full-time. And it's just really, really, I think, helped us to grow and helped us to leverage successful campaigns because, you know, you can't be everything to everyone, and, you know, while I have an interest in all of these other areas, I myself can't execute everything. So, you know, having strong programmers, having good technology, um, I think it's also important. There's lots of technology options out there. And one thing that I tell a lot of a lot of companies in the industry is find a company that you're comfortable working with. Um, you know, because we we call their tech support a lot. We work with their team a lot. So. Find a company that's like you, that you're comfortable with, because they're really going to become a partner in your success. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so true. H how many employees does Paysetters have, roughly? We only have 12 full-time employees, so we are, we're pretty small. We're pretty small in regards okay. to our staff. Okay, so with a dozen people and a collection of contractors and partners, you're able to, to do what you need to do? Absolutely. Absolutely. Fascinating. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. So I know you started telling us about, you know, you selling that first cross-channel uh, campaign and you seeing Kate Dunn and, and being inspired to want to sell cross-channel marketing. Out of curiosity, uh, with the first campaign you sold or even just some of the few, was it challenges that you were solving that customers came to you with or was it like, okay, I heard this person speak or I heard of this new idea, Pearls, and I think it would be a really awesome business opportunity to create a new revenue stream um, and I would love to go and explore, you know, explore how to bring in new business that way or was it customers coming to you with a challenge and you solving that challenge? It was, I would say it was a little bit of both. Um, in, in the higher ed vertical, it was more me going to that vertical saying, here are, you know, asking some strategic questions to try and identify. One of the things that I did, I should probably back up, one of the things that I did before I started selling to the higher ed vertical, um, I, I knew there was an opportunity based on what the technology could do, but I wanted to hear firsthand from the people in the trenches what they were facing, so I knew what problem I could solve. And so I went around to about a dozen local universities, and I set it up as I'm not selling you anything, I'm developing a product, and I want to know what would what would be helpful to you. And so I just sat down with them over lunch, over coffee, and would just talk to these people. You know, what they love about their job, what they challenges they're facing. You know, if they could wave their magic wand, what would they be able to fix tomorrow? How would that make their job easier? And I took all of that information back and developed a marketing plan to go after these institutions with this service that I knew could help them solve their problem. Beautiful. That was on the higher ed side. It was it was it was like really cool to just be able to take all of the technology that we had, listen to the problems they were facing, and just basically develop a product. I mean, in essence, that's what that's what I did. Um, that I knew would help them, 
and I think that approach was different, and I think that's why we got some traction early on, just because we were talking about the issues and challenges they were facing. Kim, just out of curiosity, how many of those people that you talked to ended up becoming customers for you? You know, that's, just that's so that. funny. <laughs> I, I get that question a lot. Honestly, only about two or three. Um, okay. And, yeah, you know, it, it, it was what it was. Um, the other thing I should probably note, too, is I purposely went in at a low level because I knew C-level people wouldn't necessarily have the time or want to spend the time talking to me. So, And they're not always in the trenches either. So I went at a really low level, like annual fund director level, and really just kind of talked to them because they were super open to sharing things with me. Um, so, yeah, about two or three, I would say. Um, I had I got appointments with almost all of them just because, obviously, they, you know, had met with me before. But for a variety of reasons, they 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 didn't partner with us. Um, either they were doing things internally or budget or whatever the case may be. Mm -hmm. um, sure. But on the other side of the table, so that's the higher ed side in the manufacturing and healthcare, which are the other two verticals that we we focus a lot of our energy on. That was more us seeing challenges they were facing and knowing that we could help them through that. And as a company, that's always been our culture. So looking at our customers and looking at our ideal customers, looking at some of the challenges they're facing and sitting down and trying to decide, okay, do we have the ability to help them solve some of those problems? Some yes, some no. Um, and if we do, what's that going to take? And, you know, our we have a customer, our largest customer has been with us for almost 30 years. And they they tell us all the time the reason they're still with us. You know, there's a lot of other companies that can do what we do but we're always showing them new ways to do what they need to do and to help solve their problems and to make their jobs easier. And, you know, it's constantly reinventing ourselves and constantly leveraging new products and services and, you know, just making sure, you know, as, as we would start to see some of their processes and some of their the things that they were facing, saying, hey, have you ever thought about doing it this way? Mm -hmm. And so on that side of the table, that's kind of how that's transitioned. So, so let me see if I can summarize and then ask you a question if I, if I got the summary right here. So you're saying, all right, so we worked backwards from our customers, from the two verticals that we focus in, first by doing customer interviews and kind of discovering what their needs are with an eye towards the types of problems that, we could, that you could help them solve through the technology that you had at hand, and then using that kind of, would you say you, you productized your offering or what did you actually do with that information to get from the customer interviews to the next step, which is kind of the, the demand generation, the marketing aspect, mm -hmm. uh, to actually start to generate some customer or potential customer interest. Do you know what I'm saying? How did you Absolutely. bridge that gap? Yeah, we, we productized. So one of the things that, that we learned early on was, um, you know, every solution is, is different uh, in some way, uh, just because mm -hmm. the two clients are the same, but we basically productized what it is that we can do and, you know, what we're offering. And it, just from a consistency standpoint, it was just nice to, you know, so you could kind of put people into different buckets based on what they needed. And you knew, okay, this is a cross-channel customer, this is a web-to-print customer, this is, you know, whatever the case may be. Um, and so we just, we did a lot of analyzing both current customers, prospects, and tried to identify which product line would best suit them, and then we had marketing and sales initiatives for each of those product lines to go after. So 
pain points that we could help them solve and challenges we could help them solve and that sort of thing. So let's let's take one example. So let's say in higher ed and let's say student acquisition being one of the things that you could help them with. Is that an example? I would say more on uh, annual fund. We don't do a ton with student acquisition, but okay. annual okay. fund fundraising. Fundraising. Okay, so you would take that and say, all right, so we can help higher ed institutions with, with fundraising, and then with that in mind, you created, what, was it uh, outbound email campaigns or print campaigns? What kinds of marketing campaigns would you do to then engage um, potential clients? That's a great question. We did a combination of email, direct mail, webinars, cold calling, which I know everybody dreads, including myself <laughs> to this day. <laughs> um, you know, when it shows up on my calendar that it's a cold call day, I just cringe because no one likes it, but it's it's necessary. Um, so it was, and it was consistency. Uh, and I'll be honest, we weren't perfect at it. We still aren't. I mean, there's still there's still times that I'm just like, oh my gosh, you know, we need to. We need to get that email out. We need to get that direct mail piece out. Um, but you know, we 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 set up a process of you know, here's what the messaging is going to be in the email and the direct mail. Here are the pain points I'm going to touch upon when I make my cold calls. Um, here is the information that's going to be covered in our quarterly webinar. And so it was a combination of that. It was writing blog posts, and you know, I'm I'm now using LinkedIn more, posting things on LinkedIn. So. It's just all about, and it wasn't always a hard sales pitch either. So I would just send some information about something I read. So if I read an article that I thought was really cool or really insightful, I would write a blog post on that and then send an email and say, I just read this article. Really, you know, here are the things that I pulled from it. It would be a great read for you. And I'd send it to my prospects. So it wasn't always like, you know, trying to say, trying to get them to buy something from me. I was sure. helping to create value. Sure, so cool. That is awesome. And so, so would you say that most of the prospects that you engage with, you needed to meet face to face with, or could some of this be done over the phone and you know through things like GoToMeeting? I would say I do see some of my customers. Some of my customers, it's all online, which both work. Depends on the nature of the customer. That is so cool. That is awesome. Well, so Mackenzie, I've been dominating all the questions here. Do you have questions? <laughs> well, I was actually wondering, I was just thinking about when you were talking about when you first went in to go meet with those universities just to do some fact gathering and information finding. And you said that you met with lower level people rather than, you know, higher ups because obviously lower level people may be more receptive to meeting with you. And I bet a lot of people on the line are curious, like, who in organizations do you target? Like, how do you know who's the right person and who should you be going after? Is it the C-level person? Did that experience going to universities and talking with them give you an idea of, you know what, okay, these are the people that are going to get me in the door and these are the people that are really the decision makers? Tell us about that because I feel like that's something that probably even not just with your higher ed but with other organizations as you approach them, it's not just, I'm assuming, correct me if I'm wrong, but what you say, but who you're talking to. That is so true. That. It is so true. Um, I would say that, so when I initially went in and tried to gain information, um, I knew I was not at the level I needed to be at to sell anything. Um, Immediately. So, yes, and I knew that. that going into it. I, I purposely did that because I wanted to make sure before I got in front of that C-level person that I 
I knew what I was talking about to a degree. Um, and so I had a lot of homework to do before I was able to take that next step. And, you know, I did talk to C-level people um, after I had done some initial research just to kind of pilot and say, um, you know, I've been spending the last three months doing a ton of research and here's what I found and here's what I'm thinking. From your perspective, could you see this working for your institution? So that's kind of how I, how I made that segue. Um, but today, I go after the C-level people across all verticals. So VP of fundraising, VP of marketing, um, you know, CFO, because obviously they're all interested in the finances. So I start at the top because I need to get that buy-in before it's going to go anywhere else. That's awesome. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. And then as we segue, I've heard some things that I feel like are your edge. You know, there's this idea of, okay, what's your competitive edge among the rest or above the rest, excuse me? What is it that you have that, you know, makes you unique, makes makes Kim unique and allows people to connect with you and want to work with pace setters? I've heard a few different things. I was wondering if there's something that you feel like you believe is something that, you know, what's that edge that you feel that you have that makes you unique that, that, that allows you to succeed? Um, you know, that's a really good question. I think I'm just naturally curious about, you know, like, I, I remember when I started here, I was just asking a lot of questions. And it was so funny. I was sitting in a sales class. I'm always taking classes trying to, you know, in, increase my skills or improve my skills. And I was saying to the gentleman running the course, I said, you know, I feel like when I first started selling, I was getting so many appointments. I'm getting a lot of appointments now, but like I was getting all these appointments. And he said, because you were asking a lot of questions about them because you didn't necessarily know the answers. And so I think one of the skill sets and something that's kind of set me apart is that I'm just naturally curious. And so I don't go into meetings trying to pitch something. I go in just naturally asking questions because I want to know what they're doing. And I, I think it builds a rapport because they're not they're not sitting there thinking, oh, my gosh, when their sales are trying to sell me something. Mm -hmm. I'm really just trying to see if there's a fit. And I, I'm really just trying to figure out what their, what their problems are because I really just want to help solve them if I can. Um, so I think that's one thing. I, I think, too, I'm pretty consistent with my behavior. So, you know, I'm consistently just learning, consistently um, you know, talking to other people in the industry, both with my different verticals and even in the marketing service provider world, I'm constantly talking to other companies and just trying to learn. Um, and I, I think that's just kind of what's helped me get to where I am. I, I don't, I don't know if that's a good answer, but that's just kind no, I think of that's great. where I've been great. And, and how I've, how I've grown. You know, I, awesome. I got to jump in there because I love that, um, Kim, the, the oh, self-improvement and, and your dedication to bettering yourself. But I got to ask, you know, you've got a full-time job. I'm sure it's, I would guess it's more than 40 hours a week, or at least you're thinking about it more than 40 hours a week. You've <laughs> yeah. got two kids, you're married, you've got the, the health and fitness thing on the side. So where the heck do you find time to to invest in yourself and take those classes and further your your craft? How are you finding the time to do all of that? Yeah, you know, I make it a priority. So I, I, I put it on my calendar. It's a it's a priority. Um, you know, I every day spend 30 minutes on personal development. And it, it's a variety of things. It could be a podcast. It could be something I'm reading. Um, I've got, you know, I, I'm, you know, constantly reading. And I just make myself do it every day for 30 minutes. If I see a class that I think is really cool or a seminar, um, you know, I, I don't look at it as oh, another day out of the office. I look at it as I need to do this so that I can be more 
um, impactful at work so that I can I can do a better job at my job. And so I think it's just about saying, you know, we have all of this going on, but this is a priority. And it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be a whole day. It can be 30 minutes. You know, 30 yeah. minutes a day, just find something, talk to somebody, read something, do something. Sure. My that favorite is so quote awesome. is, the key is not to prioritize what's on your schedule, but to schedule your priorities. Exactly. I, was, I love that's that. exactly what you said. That. That's, yep. that's awesome. That's so good. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, continue to learn from that. I'm going to make that my priority now, too. So thank you for that. Absolutely. That's it. awesome. So, so, Kim, as we wrap up here and as we come to a close, you know, if people want to find out more about you or find out more about your company and get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to do that? Um, they can they can email me so uh, kgross at paysetterglobal.com. Um, they can find me on LinkedIn. They can find me on Facebook. They can go to our website. Um, you know, I love meeting new people. I love chatting. I love learning. So I would I would love it if all of the listeners today reached out to me and started chatting with me. I'm I'm always trying to learn from from other people and and see what else is out there. That's wonderful. And so we'll include your contact information in the show notes and make sure that people awesome. have an easy way to get a hold of you. And, awesome. uh, you know, this has just been a lot of fun, Kim. Thank you yeah. so much for your time and for all the, for all the insights. Mackenzie, I think that, you know, this is, uh, this is going to be one to inspire people and give them some of those insights that, you know, people are so desperately looking for. Yeah, this is good stuff. Thank you so much, Kim. We really appreciate it and um, have learned a lot from you. And I'm sure our listeners are thinking, gosh, she's inspiring me to go go do more and be more and learn more. So that's good. That's great. Well, thank you for having me. It's been, it's been so fun. I love chatting. So it's been great. Thank you so much. Wonderful. Have a great rest of the day. Gosh, that was so good. So fun. I can't believe that our first episode is already a wrap. So much fun, Dave. Do you have any takeaways? What do you think? How do you feel? Yeah, I feel great, Mackenzie. I mean, I feel inspired. I feel like I can go out and conquer the world now. <laughs> you know, Kim's just such a positive, upbeat personality. But I'll tell you, the, the one thing that really stood out to me, and it's, it's something I think we need to dig into more with some of our upcoming guests, is that, you know, she mentioned that she's a wife, she's a mom, she has two kids, she's running this company, she's got this health, fitness thing on the side, and yet she still t- finds time for self-improvement, Right. And that just really stood out to me as something that all of us should aspire to. I know that I try to do that, and I know you try to do the same, but it's just, it's hard. It's freaking hard with everything that's going on around us to invest that time in ourselves and to put in the energy to actually improve what each of us is doing. So that's, that's something that really stood out for me, and I hope it's something that our listeners can actually learn from, maybe from this, this segment itself, and use it to, to improve themselves. Does that make sense? Am I making sense here? Yeah, no, I completely agree. I feel like right after we're done with this, I'm going to go search the internet for all these amazing new podcasts where I can further develop and learn and and grow. It's such a good point because even her with all these different uh, things she's juggling in her life, she's able to, like you said, do self-improvement and self-development. I think that that's what life is all about and that's where her success comes from and that's her edge. That's her key you know, distinguisher. And, you know, a lot of things that she mentioned, I bet our listeners want to know about. So I know she mentioned a couple companies, things that she started off. Dave, do you want to just maybe summarize some of those things that she said so that people can go and now maybe look them up and see if they can help and, and start to take those tools to their companies? Yeah, cool, for sure. So we'll include these in the show notes, folks, as well. So one of the companies she mentioned, of course, was Mindfire. So she's partnered with us for a few years. You can look us up 
mindfireinc.com. Learn more about us there. The other company she mentioned is PageFlex, also good friends of ours here at MindFire. That's pageflex.com. And they have a variable data composition engine and storefront solution that I know Kim uses for her customers. So that's pageflex.com. And I believe she also mentioned PTI, Fusion Pro, which is a variable data document composition application that a lot of folks in this space use. So look up PTI. Also, they used to go by the name Printable. You're probably familiar with them if you're in this space. So MindFire, PageFlex, PTI, I think those are the main tools that she mentioned. And McKinsey, you know, it makes me think going forward, one thing that we should ask all of our guests is just to give us a brief overview of what tools they use and what they find that's really making a difference for them from a personal productivity perspective and what's helping them add value to their customers. So folks, we'll include those in the show notes and um, have at it. Take a look. Yeah, and if you guys have any questions, comments, feedback, please reach out to us. Uh, Dave and I are easily accessible. You can also reach out to Kim if you have any questions, but we would love um, to hear from you. We'd love to answer any questions and just continue to bring you content that you find useful. So that's our number one goal. And if there's anything we can do to help, any topics you're interested in, uh, please don't hesitate to reach out. 